Welcome to the Mindful Soul Center podcast. I'm Amy Adams. In today's episode, I will be sharing an interview that I had with Kathleen Joan of Bridget's Flame. Kathleen Joan is a spiritual teacher and is interested in exploring the theme of the divine feminine as a pathway to creating balance in our sometimes topsy-turvy world. She holds master's degrees in both theology and ministry. At one point, the walls came tumbling down around the foundations of her faith that was based in patriarchy. Later, she reconnected and deepened her relationship with the divine as the mother goddess. She is a Reiki master and spiritual teacher dedicated to helping others discover the goddess within. Our conversation was really, I just loved it. And I'm not going to tell you about it because here, just listen. So can you tell us a little bit about your business and how you got started and exactly what do you do? (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Um, So yeah, Bridget's Flame. Well, so Bridget um, is both a Catholic saint and a pagan goddess. And um, you were actually kind of asking me earlier, you know, like how I chose Bridget. And what I would actually say is she somewhat chose me um, in the sense that when I heard her story, I didn't grow up like knowing about her. Like I'd never heard of St. Bridget pretty much, but, um, but when I discovered, I grew up Catholic. Um, but when I discovered Bridget in my thirties, I was teaching religion at a Catholic high school. Like I had done the whole, you know, master's degree in religion. And here I am, you know, teaching about spirituality and things like this. Right. But from that, that Catholic background, like I had volunteered with nuns, like I, I did the whole, like really dove into the, the Catholic faith thing. Um, and, and I discovered Bridget and I heard about her story about how um, essentially like, so Bridget was an ancient goddess, a Celtic goddess, right? Before Ireland was Christianized. And then when Ireland became Christian, um, they kind of kept her, but they turned her into a saint. So there, and all the aspects and attributes of the goddess just got sort of transferred onto this person who was actually a historical woman named St. Bridget. So there, there was actually a person in the fifth century. So like right as Ireland is becoming Christian, um, who founded like a women's religious order. She was the abbess of this monastery at Kildare. Um, her name was St. Bridget. And she, she kept burning in her convent the fire. There was a perpetual fire that was always lit to the pagan goddess. And the priestesses of Bridget, the goddess, would tend the fire, right? Because Bridget is a goddess of fire and of the sun um, and of the forge and all these other things, right? But so St. Bridget kept that fire perpetually burning in her Catholic women's monastery for hundreds of years. Like in that, that you can you can actually go today to um, Kildare, Ireland, and the, the Bridgetine sisters have this little candle <laughs> in, their, in their, their spirituality center there that is still the flame of Bridget that's burning there, right? Um, so when I, I heard that story, it really struck me as sort of this crossroads of the, the divine feminine and the Catholic faith that I feel like I'm part of and that I'm, I'm familiar with, you know, like I, I have an Irish Catholic background. And, and so Bridget to me was like this way of putting those things together. And she embodies um, both c- kind of holding both ends, the divine feminine 
and like the religion that I've grown up with that a lot of people know, right? Which is Christianity. Um, and, and like, she's both. So that, that's really why she called to me. Yeah. Are you still teaching in a school or anything? I'm not, I'm not. That, um, a lot of things shifted for me during the pandemic, and that's, that's why I ended up leaving uh, that job teaching at that high school. But part of it was that I found out that the feminine needed to become the center in my work. And that wasn't going to happen as much as I wanted it to in a, in a Catholic setting, Catholic high school setting. So, so it was time to take the next step professionally. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know that you have a circle, like women's circles or anyone who identifies as female, right? Yes. So what do you do with that? Like, what, how does Bridget relate to the, that? You know, um, Bridget is present. Well, she's, she's funny because she's the, she's the goddess of the sun, right? And of fire, but she's also a goddess of water. And of the moon, like Bridget is kind of like everything, right? Um, so my my circle, which is called Bridget's Well, um, is named after. Uh, it's like in the ancient Ireland, right? Like the well, Bridget's Well. You can actually still go to sacred places that are wells of Bridget, right? In Ireland, and that was a place where people would go to connect with the divine feminine, with the goddess, and literally to draw water to to be sustained and nourished and and refreshed, right? From so it's from the earth and it's from the goddess. So, so the name Bridges Well um, of my women's circle refers to that, right? It's a place where we, we come together online for the different faces of the moon and we refresh our spirits from the goddess and we have a different feminine theme that we talk about and we're together as women in circle. And, and that's, to me, that's where the divine feminine rises, right? Where we take that time to connect with one another and to invite her in um, to our awareness because she's been, she's been so... Uh, pushed to the side by patriarchy for centuries, right? So, so just bringing back that divine feminine awareness to me, that's like we do it in this little women's circle, and to me, it's also something that needs to happen on a global scale, right? In order for us to really rebalance um, our relationship with like the earth and with one another and the climate crisis and everything, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Big issues. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is like everything, right? <laughs> I think a lot of people agree that the divine feminine is missing um, in general. But then there'll be people that say, well, you know, it's, we're not missing the divine feminine. Like, what's wrong with the way things are? Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody who would say to you, well, I think everything's fine the way it is? Um, um, yeah, I mean, it so many things right <laughs> um because that's that's kind of the mentality that that most of us i think in just in patriarchal society we grow up by default thinking of god as male right so we're we're taught that and we just think about that and so to call god she or to talk about the goddess feels really different it can feel really scary it could feel like wait a minute that's not that's not God, <laughs> right? That's not like I think it is so, um, so ingrained in us from the way that we're raised. And even if we're not like raised specifically religious, just from being in a patriarchal context and society, right? Uh, we tend to think of God as an old white man sitting up on a cloud, right? And when we start to look into it, what I so what I would say to that person is when we start to look into um, our images of God, right? How we think of the divine, um, we discover that. We start to, we name God and we imagine God uh, in the, in the ways that we value or the things that we value and that we hold as sacred are what we associate with God, right? 
So if God is an old white man sitting up on a cloud, then old, white, male, and powerful, and sort of elevated, like higher up, which which comes back to like sort of our, our minds over our bodies, right? All this kind of thing. Um, then those qualities and those people who represent those qualities, we see them as valuable. We see them as sacred. We see power as just and right and good when it is wielded by the people who look like quote unquote God, right? So it really functions to uphold all these really harmful dynamics in our society. Like if we only think of God as male, we're going to think, oh, that's sacred. That's wonderful. That's good. Oh, the female is less. The female is not equal, is not sacred, is not holy, right? And like this has been such a messed up dynamic in like the history of patriarchal religions, right? Because it teaches us that like, okay, the men have the power, the men do the sacred things, for like the sort of glaring example that, that I was raised with is that the Roman Catholic Church still doesn't ordain women. So like only the men are up there doing the priestly rituals, right? What happened to the sacred priestesses of the feminine? What happened to the feminine women being associated as sacred, right? So we start to lose this, we, we split things, right? Into like, here's, here's what's holy, sacred, good, valuable. Everything else is ew, is dirty, is less. Like, by the way, this, these priests, the Catholic celibate priests don't even marry women, right? And there's this like sort of total dissociation of the divine from, from women, from the feminine. Um, same thing can happen with race, by the way, right? Like if God is imagined or Jesus is imagined as white, right, which is not historically accurate, um, it functions to uphold white supremacy and racism, these kinds of things, right? So, so I would say like if we look at our society and we look at at where people are hurting, it's often because our our association with the sacred has has been devalued. People don't look at us and see the holy sacred image of the divine, right? And that's pretty much everybody who's not an old, powerful white male heterosexual, right? Like all of these things, it has to do with our images of the divine. There's two things that I wanted to touch upon, and one myself personally is I found myself, which I don't like this, but it's true. Um, so <laughs> I don't like this about myself, but it's true. But I find, and I think a lot of people default to this too, even in media, maybe a little bit less on YouTube, but um, because there's a, a wider range of people, because it's just, just anybody is out there doing it. I find myself respecting, and, and I don't think this is just me, looking towards people for uh, answers when there are women who have the same answers. I mean, maybe I don't know about them as much, you know, some, some, I mean, so that's part of it is because it's harder to find women right. who um, maybe represent, you know, that are, you know, superstars in their domain. But I, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I find that that's one thing that I've noticed. It's not just me. I, I know that. I know it's a lot of people do this. And it's something though that I notice about myself that I don't like, because I'd like to value and respect um, an expert opinion or that I just feel like it's not even, first of all, not even as accessible. Mm-hmm. And, but then I found even that, like, why am I choosing that? It's not mm-hmm. even conscious. I'm not doing it consciously. Right. Right. Automatically, it's like my conditioning, you know, and yeah. I want to take it, but it's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a great point though, about where do we go for our, our sources of information or, or truth, whose authority do we rely on? Right. Which is a divine feminine issue. Like, 
do we do we go to women uh, or feminine female identified people as experts or as you know resources? Do we trust ourselves? Do we trust other women? Right to be reliable sources of truth and information and and juicy wonderful resources that we can can use in our lives, right? Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're on something. I think there's some really deep programming there. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said, like, yeah, we haven't had as much of a platform and a microphone. So sometimes we're harder to find, but you know, I, I think that's where we network with each other. And that's, that's, what's so powerful. I think about mindful soul center and, and that opportunity for, for women helping women and, and other people. Right. But to like find all of these resources and reach one another. Yeah. So I um then the other thing too though that I wanted to uh talk about kind of as the god as because we're personifying like this ineffable <laughs> the ineffable. That's mm-hmm. what I consider for me god is the ineffable. It's yeah. like it's just that we're just I mean not because even recently with the um Nassau and the other um Europe and Canada or whatever joined together to do the mm-hmm. James Webb Telescope. And it's just a reminder now when we're seeing again, like, you know, five galaxies in one picture, yes. recognizing how tiny we are. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're already tiny on the earth if we think of ourselves individually. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, there's just five galaxies like next to each other. And that's only a few of them, you know, there's <laughs> and, and everything. So, I mean, I think it serves us to personify God, but I wonder like, how can, is there another way we can make God more relatable mm-hmm. um, without necessarily making it into a person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people resonate with that. I think um, many people, like, even when I was teaching at the Catholic high school, a lot of the students um, would prefer to say like the universe or you know, the, the transcendent or the divine, like they don't even, they were very like spiritual, but not religious, which I think is very Gen Z as well. Right. Like the younger generation. Um, yeah. And a lot of people kind of find their spirituality in like nature or relating to like the natural universe, like you said. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think that's a totally valid path because we, we come into contact with like, Oh, this is, this is what's greater than me. This is something that's beyond me. And it, it reminds us of that we're related to a universe that is so much bigger than we can imagine, right? Um, and where does all that come from and sacred source and how is sacred source embodied in, in all of it? So I, I, I think there's so much rich exploration there. Um, I do think that it's important to personify God in a lot of di- di- very diverse human ways, um, precisely because there are aspects of ourselves that have been so... Um, denigrated and like put down and you know we've we've gosh done all sorts of things to (laughs) to women and to people of color and to lgbtq community and like all of these things that that need to be restored to their rightful place of sacredness right um in our society and so to me at least and maybe this is because i'm from a more traditionally religious background but um, when we start saying, you know, God, we could say, you know, God is a trans person. God is a, God is a woman. God is this, that, right. Um, it starts to, it, it jolts us out of our, <laughs> our ways of thinking. And it starts to help us think, oh, well, what if, what if we brought back, fully brought back all these aspects of ourselves as, as humans and as a society that have been pushed to the side. Right. So I, I think that's where the personifying of God is really helpful. 
Well, and I'm actually, because I was wondering too, well, because then I think also there is in the traditions a lot of backlash when this concept comes right. up because it's like, mm-hmm. no, this is how it is. <laughs> and we're not changing mm-hmm. so, across many religions, not just uh, um, one or two, which kind of brings me back to this idea though, because of the backlash. And I'm wondering like, um, Bridget, did, was there, I mean, historically, because I don't really know much about, I mean, I know some little general things about her, but like, was there like backlash for her? I mean, her community, uh, was it like a community of nuns? And um, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about. Yeah, there, there's some really, thanks, because there's some really interesting um, historical facts that we know around that. So, so the one thing that was unusual was uh, that Bridget's monastery was a, a double monastery. So there were men and women there which was not typically the case, right? You usually have a men's or women's religious order. And she was the abbess that was in charge of all of it. So right there, we have sort of a feminist <laughs> a model of leadership, right? She was the leader, not only of her, her order of nuns, but also the, the men who were there, right? Um, and everyone was kind of forming this newly Christianized Irish spiritual community, you know, in that so it was sort of a moment of, of birthing something new, right, in, in that way, combining Christianity with kind of their traditional religion. And um, the, the interesting story is that there was a, a Catholic bishop who of, in charge of the area who would have been a man, right, like an ordained bishop, um, who wanted to bless Bridget and say the prayer for her to make her the abbess over her whole monastery, right? Okay, wonderful. So he's saying this prayer. Somehow the way the historical account goes is he accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally um, said the prayer to make her a bishop. (laughs) And he was kind of like, whoops, well, I guess it's done now. No take backs. Like, (laughs) like you can't unmake her a bishop once he said the prayer. I believe that that man absolutely knew what he was doing. Right. Um, Recognizing her as the spiritual elder and leader for her whole region, which is what it bishop is right um so it's funny that you ask about backlash i'm not aware that anyone was kind of like against that maybe because she was just so well known and people people went to her for spiritual guidance and all of this um in her area but yeah i'm actually not a, not aware of any and, and in rather you know kind of there was this bishop that like whoops accidentally said the wrong prayer you know <laughs> I, I did go to an all-girls um catholic mm-hmm. high school I also found there were um, nuns who were very traditional, a couple of them, actually less of them were very traditional, mm-hmm. and the other ones were super progressive. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had um, social justice was one of our religious studies courses. Yeah. <laughs> really, uh, it was really pretty amazing. And a lot, we had Buddhism, we had meditation. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like these like uh, semester options and um mm-hmm. most of the time i think i was a child of the late 70s and mm-hmm. to the early 80s so i think the you know the culture uh you know was really coming through and nuns didn't wear habits there right right know, which was something that was a change you know mm-hmm. really yeah no there are there are so many really progressive actually like um religious like men and women but particularly the ones I've worked with have been the women who have been really progressive and and like done all this amazing work kind of within the existing structures right um of the catholic church and 
Yeah, I mean, it, that reminds me of Bridget, right? Just to be like, okay, well, here's here's the structure that we're in, but we're going to keep the light of the goddess burning. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because you're, the story of Bridget actually made me think about those nuns, you know, I hadn't really mm-hmm. given that much thought lately. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I do, I do really recognize that actually through my whole adult life, I really feel like I was so grateful to actually, because I wasn't really thrilled about going to, uh, you know, you want to go to the school with all your friends in the neighborhood or whatever. Right. Sure. Sure. You know, yeah. you're a teenager. So, but, you know, looking, reflecting back, I really feel grateful. And, you know, of course I had many beautiful friendships and all that great stuff with other mm-hmm. people, but, you know, it's like all girls, uh, you know, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was- <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, yeah, having taught high school for nine years, I can probably tell you you weren't missing much at that, at that age. I know, but it's interesting too because I know there have been studies too where like boys are called upon more and girls don't have the same opportunities. Yes. So you know, mm-hmm. we had like mm-hmm. the uh, mock UN and all these different things and different societies. Yeah, yeah, and it was all the girls yeah. doing it with those opportunities for leadership right? Those opportunities to develop your skills and, and to not feel socially kind of like a stigma around standing up and being in your leadership, right? And then even at 16 or 17 years old, not worrying what you look like. Yeah, exactly. Not, you know, the <laughs> I mean, that the uniforms were ugly, but you know, it, they did the job. But everybody's wearing it. <laughs> Everybody has the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I really, so, um, now, once you kind of like connected with uh, Bridget, then how did you, I mean, because I get the kind of like, all right, she really is the embodiment of this kind of divine feminine aspect. But then what did you decide to, I mean, I know you said that, you know, we need more of the thing, but like, um, how did you imagine that would even happen? Like. <laughs> that's a great question um and I'm laughing because yeah that that was one of those moments when um the goddess's imagination is definitely bigger than mine like I never thought I would start my own business that was just never a thing like I knew other people did it I had no interest I was like I I'm, I'd never took a business course in my life I was an English major like <laughs> You know, so, um, so it was just not a thing. But what I what I ended up sort of discovering was that as I became more um, passionate and more called to to speak about divine feminine, there's just limits to what you can do, even in a pretty progressive Catholic school setting, right, which is where I was. And so it's like, if there's no institutional support for that there's no like institution that i'm aware of that will pay me got a you know salary and benefits to do goddess ministry um then what then i need to start my own ministry right so that that was kind of my next step where it was like it was a leap of faith for sure right um but i i had trained to lead women's circles new moon circles through this group called the wild women project which is a global network of women's circles um and i did their training while i was you know i was still teaching whatever but i, I did their moon circle leadership training i was like whoa this is like running retreats which i do with the catholic school but with the goddess <laughs> like it's like wow it's not that different right but i was able to bring in and i am able to to make it about the divine feminine right um so that that was kind of how it got started was i started having sort of these realizations of um hey you can do i can do very similar work to what i'm already doing um 
but really being authentic. Like, I, I think there was this question of authenticity and um, bringing forth, you know, who I, who I really am and what I'm called to do and how I'm called to minister. And, and I can do that authentically and I can create structures in my life and in my business that will allow that to be sustainable, you know. Um, that was a long, <laughs> that was a big leap of faith. And then it's still, still a process, right, of um, building that. But, yeah. Becoming your authentic self. This is something that has just been a huge topic that's been coming up. I mean, really, I think, um, I think it's probably always been something that's been discussed, but maybe because of YouTube and the way the internet has changed the world and really connected us. I think a lot of people talk about like, are you being your authentic self? Are you showing who you are? And um, I think my question is, is like, what would you say to somebody like as a, an encouragement to embrace their uh, authentic self or maybe not even an encouragement? I'm not sure if that's the right word, but um, like, what do you think that means? The, what comes up for me when you say that is like the divine spark that's that's within us. Right. Like, I mean, I I personally believe that like we're all sort of a, a very little like a little flame of the big goddess flame, if you will. <laughs> right. Um, and that we that's that's sort of the essence of who we are is this little divine spark that's within us. It's our con you, you might call it our consciousness or our soul or our, you know, our heart, but like sort of what we sense to be the the authentic core of who we are. Like, I believe that that's a little piece of the divine. Right. Um and so my perspective on that is kind of, it's kind of the, like the saying that like nobody else can be you for you. Like, like the divine wants to express themselves, <laughs> like it say, right. In all of these diverse ways, I, that was actually um, something that I, I learned a beautiful statement. I still remember from a classmate in, in grad school in my master's program, a degree in theology, right. Who was a trans woman, um, a black trans woman who, who talked about like sort of discovering her identity um, as a trans woman and the, 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 what was it? Like the extravagance of God, like not just generosity, like the total extravagance of God to express the divine self in all of the infinite ways, like as many ways that are possible. <laughs> right. It's like the divine is not content with just the little box of like what society says that we should be right. The divine wants like this, this expression over here too. And also that one, if you almost like if you think of all the plants that are in nature or all the animals that are in nature, right? Like God wasn't okay with just horses and dogs. She wanted a platypus too, like and dinosaurs. Like, <laughs> like she wants like everything to, that can possibly be to be created. And so each, each bit of that is, uh, is a sacred, unique expression of the divine. If we don't do our little piece, no one else is going to, right? Like, like we're each created to be this unique, beautiful expression of, of who the divine is, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's what I would say about that is like, like, I just got to a point where I was like, oh, mine really includes divine feminine. Like, I need to talk about the goddess and <laughs> do ritual and worship with her. And that just wasn't going to fly so much in the, the Catholic school setting. So it was like, OK, this is this is the little flame that I need to to express yeah. I think right. well because I'm even speaking personally like I have always had these different ideas of what I wanted to do and when I was younger you know I um I I didn't do some of the things I wanted to do I didn't even think it was possible mm -hmm. and so yeah 
our imaginations get so boxed in by well just kind of we're limited beings <laughs> and it's what society tells us is possible right so then yeah yeah ahead. and so well because i remember this person um that one of my brother's friends uh was i you know i hung out with them all the time and so i was very close with them and and i remember being out and i remember saying something and i was probably like 20 at the time and saying something like oh i really want to do art and then it was like well why don't you just do art what I mean, like, and honestly, right. that one little thing like changed my life. Even though I not, didn't end up going to college for art until later, later I was actually uh, was doing something else. I was doing architecture or whatever. But um, yeah, it was just weird because it was like, uh, like yeah, you can do that. Like you, there, like why don't you just do it? But it was a guy who told me that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I think all the girls and the women were like, you know, we were all getting, and maybe it's generational too, the time of when I was growing up, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of, and, you know, my mom and my dad, they both worked. It wasn't like there, Mm -hmm. I didn't have like a traditional stay out. It wasn't like the 1950s, you know, somebody was like baking and, you know, the kind of stereotypical thing. So I did have like uh, see this kind of thing, but I don't know. And just, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to get married. I mean, I still was going right. to get educated and all that other stuff, but it, it was, I felt like there was less of a focus on the importance of my, uh, education, even though my parents were like, oh, you do whatever you want. You're so smart and whatever, blah, blah, right. you know, but there was still uh-huh. underneath it all like not the and then also art wasn't practical you know well it's probably still not right right (laughs) but that doesn't matter right I mean because a lot of people have degrees and things that aren't necessarily practical so sure yeah so I was just so I've often just thought about I love that it's actually such a good thing now that people are really talking about it because it's like like mm-hmm. being, you know, finding your essence, finding what it is and being true to your purpose and your like, even mm-hmm. with just, even just being, having integrity of who you are instead mm-hmm. of being yeah. like following what other people's expectations are, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that story you shared, I mean, to me, sounds like a powerful example of, of why we need the divine feminine. <laughs> Like it sounds like, you know, you're like, oh, well, because was that gender based for you? It was like, oh, because I I'm a woman. I believe so. Yeah. Outwardly, I don't think my parents intentionally I mean, right. I don't think it was like a conscious thing. I just realize it now, like there really was less importance. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's so subtle, right? That we don't, we're not even conscious of it. But, um, but you're an art goddess, you're a creatress, <laughs> and the world needs your art, right? Yeah me yeah. years though to get, I mean I ended up getting a master's in fine arts uh, ultimately and painting and everything mm-hmm. but it, yeah it was just it's just really the authentic self I feel like that is something that um and there's also personal fear I think even stepping into your authentic self you know people are like who am I yes. doesn't need uh, for me like that question like because sometimes you're like oh like the big deep questions like who am I I don't care who I am in relation to mm-hmm. like the vast universe because I'm not going to understand that you know, physical <laughs> human body. I mean, I'm interested right. in those topics and I want to have intelligent discussions. But sure. for me, I feel like, who am I? It's like, who, what can I do on this earth is more like, you know, what, mm-hmm. what is it that I can give to, like, what is going to be my legacy? What is going to be my, 
thing. Like, how can I help other people? Or you, know, you can help yeah. people from like the most uh, mundane, like some people might consider something like a mundane task, even though it's not, mm-hmm. uh, to something extremely, you know, like uh, going to the space station or whatever and being there. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It's like, is it the thing for you? Is it like your yeah. in your inherent nature? Is it like, are you gonna look back and uh, worry that you didn't have the courage to do that or something? So, right, exactly. Yeah, and right. It's it's that like that thing that like you said is is authentic that that sort of clicks in and makes you like light up, right? Like I when I was um, considering sort of making the job move of right leaving the Catholic school and starting my own ministry and stuff. I talked to a, a colleague who was also a dear friend um, uh, about it and colleague in the religion department who like really understood these things, you know, and, and I started crying and she goes, okay, so I don't see you cry about like leading the the sophomore retreat at the high school, <laughs> but I do see this deep connection you have with the divine feminine. I'm like, yes, she's you know, the goddess, right? <laughs> so it was just this thing that like, yeah, that, that's, there's something deep within us that calls us to serve and, and love in a particular way, right? Um, and I'm glad that for you, you got to pursue that through art and, and you know, not through a lot of different things as well. But, yeah. But I'm curious, like, your parents, are they, because you were raised in a traditional Catholic uh, uh-huh. home, Did how did they feel about you kind of embracing the divine feminine and Bridget? Yeah, my parents are are pretty progressive Catholics. And so I was always raised with this sort of like social justice orientation to to Catholicism and, you know, less of the sort of like really dogmatic perspective, right? And more of the like, let's help everybody in the world to like flourish and be who they are called to be in in the image of God in their unique way, right? Um, So... So yeah, and my parents were aware that I'd already been uh, part of a goddess community in San Francisco for several years before I started this ministry. Um, I found this great place that is called Her Church. Um, The official name is Ebenezer Lutheran, (laughs) but the nickname is Her Church, and it's a Lutheran church that has converted all of their names and images for the divine to feminine. And when I walked in there, it was like, what is this? Like, it was another one of those, wait, you mean this exists? Like, it's the whole church is painted purple on the outside. There's all this divine feminine art, everything. I was like, this is, it was just one of those moments of, I never would have thought this was a thing, like that this existed at all. It kind of reminds me of um, what you said earlier about the the telescope pictures of the universe. Like, there's so much out there <laughs> that we're not familiar with. Yeah. Right. And it, it may sound, you know, like such a small example, but it's like you discover something that you never would have entered your mind, except I will say, put a star on that. I had been calling God she in my private journals since college. I just didn't know anyone else who did that. Right. So it's like I was fine. I was able to connect with other people who were kind of drawn towards the same thing. Anyway, my parents knew about the whole God, like I was in a goddess band. Like there was this whole they knew about the whole goddess thing. Um, and when I, you know, shifted into doing my own ministry with a divine feminine focus, they were like, okay, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) Because I know there's, you know, kind of extreme, because even one parent could be like, Hey, that's cool. And the other one is like, well, I don't know. Well, both of my parents attended her church. 
Um, and I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that um, my father won't mind me sharing this story. Because <laughs> um, when he came, my mother came for the first time, loved it, right? It was like, oh, the best of my family, this is great. My dad came for the first time and his reaction afterwards was he said, this makes me realize how little I know about God. And I about cried because it was like, (laughs) I know how little do I know, how little I understand, right? About that, because there's so many different ways that we can understand the universe and the sacred and the God. And it's like when we've only been taught one way, and this is why I think it's really important to personify God in different ways that we haven't been taught, right? Because all of a sudden, so much opens up for us spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, we're like, wait, I mean, there's this whole new horizon, right? Of like understanding the sacred, which is also understanding ourselves, you know? Yeah. So it's beautiful. But, yeah. Uh, go dad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. So you offer now, since you have like a ministry, can you explain a little bit more to like, cause like anybody who would be listening for me, even, you know, there are people who are priestesses of this or that or, you know, of ISIS or, you know, British or whomever. Um, but like ha- through the training or I mean, because you have the, the master's degree. So like, how did that come to be? That's <laughs> so, I mean, like, like, what's the actual ministry that I want to Like, how would they do that? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I do have, so I offer for um, all genders, I'll say, first of all, because we've been talking primarily about, about divine feminine, but um, I do offer spiritual direction. So that's one-on-one spiritual accompaniment, um, conversation about your life and your spiritual journey. And we listen to for how spirit is speaking to you in, in whatever ways and whatever forms. So I, I am trained to do that in a one-on-one conversation setting. Um, and that's, all zoom at the moment right so so yeah i I offer that for all genders i also um am a reiki energy healer and that's another thing that emerged while i was at the goddess church in san francisco (laughs) was like wait energy healing is a thing um so so now i I am a reiki energy healer which i love um for the record there are people who who say that jesus practiced reiki i don't know or energy healing who am I to say he didn't, right? Um, but but Reiki is a wonderful form of of mental, emotional, physical healing through energy that um, that I work with individuals one on one of any gender. Uh, and then I have my women's circle. So so new moon goddess circle happens on every new moon, and that's public. And anyone who's female identified, you identify as a woman, you are warmly welcome to this circle. And anyone can drop in, you know. And and there's a sliding scale fee for that, but it's it's pretty affordable. Um, so anyone, any women can drop in at the new moon and be part of our circles. And for those who want to go deeper, there's Bridget's Well, which is the monthly membership where we meet at the full moon as well. And the, um, the waxy moon, the waning moon, and we have different rituals and different activities around each phase of the moon. So that's, that's how she's working at the moment. (laughs) She, the goddess, right? (laughs) How she's moving at the moment and who, you know, who can say what will be next, but that's, is there something that um, you would like to offer the audience like as a gift? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so so I, I have um, a free guide that is posted on my website that anyone can download called Five Ways to Connect with the Sacred Feminine Daily. 
And that just contains some simple spiritual practices that anybody can do like in your home to just start bringing in some of that divine feminine energy, right. To your, to your life. And, um, so anyone can download that. It's, it's free. It's at uh, bridgetsflame.org. And you can just start kind of exploring, like, what are some of the ways that you would like to call in divine feminine, sacred feminine? What does that mean to you? How is that a part of your own journey and your understanding of who you are? All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been a pleasure. Well, that concludes our episode with Kathleen Joan of Bridges Flame. You can check out her website, bridgesflame.org. And please leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. You can leave uh, some stars on Spotify or you can leave us an Apple review, even though I don't know how to do that for myself. Um, it never lets me. Until next time. Music in this episode includes Lone Cannon by Pazu and Enchanted by Cody 